Expanding our knowledge through those amongst us is a privilege we take for granted. Join me as we explore the minds of our fellow beings to unlock their knowledge for ourselves. Greetings fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to a special entry of the Arthadian Anthologies podcast. In this episode, I have a highly intelligent individual who is a large investor into this venture, and a great friend of mine, Jaron Marsilio. We will be going through a plethora of topics including who Jaron is, his views on the anthologies which includes Reborn in Power, and the deeper problems facing the entertainment industry. This is a free-form dialogue of Jaron and myself, with no edits. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, Jaron. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Pretty good. Um, well, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, this is your, our first guest. Um, I'm honored. Yes. Well, you are kind of my investor, so might, might as well have you on here. Uh, for those of you who have no idea who Jaron is, because it... It's very obvious you wouldn't know. Uh, Jaron is good, a good friend of mine. He is investing a lot into uh, Reborn in Power and Arthurian Anthologies, and he has been playing my game for the past two years now? Probably two years, two, yeah. Two years now, and um, we met in college. We met in astronomy class, and, uh, well, we, we've kind of... The friendship grew from there. Yes, a lot, but um, let's let's hear more about you instead of hearing more about me. I talk a lot about all the stuff that I'm I'm trying to do, but I want to hear about you. Of course, no problem. So I'll let you know what I kind of bring into all of this. Yeah. So just a little bit about my background. I am a political science major who's also minoring in philosophy, and I'm a I'm about a year away from getting my bachelor's degree in political science with the concentration being law, politics, and policy. My, my goal is to, you know, one day be a politician, just because that stuff excites me. Nothing gives me a bigger hard-on than political violence well, <laughs> in this way. Yes, uh, and right now, the, the political climate is very out of whack um, in the current day and age. We're in 2020. For those of you who are probably listening maybe a year from now, um, I don't know how the world is going to be at that point, but... Right now we're in a very tight situation, which is one of the topics that we're going to get into today. But for now, uh, let's begin with um, why you have decided to invest into my uh, my company, my my stories, and and my game that I have been developing for the past four and a half years. Sounds good. Okay, so well, honestly, when I first met you, before I even understood really what you were trying to build. All I knew was that that passion of when you're discussing your lore and things like that, even if I may not have initially understood that, I was able to relate to that passion immediately. And I, that, I feel like that's one of the first things that we really like had in common that really solidified our friendship. Yeah, pa passion can really like grow bonds between people. Exactly. And that was one of the first bigger indicators that I liked what you were saying and what you're trying to build, even if I may not have fully understood it at the time. But <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I definitely am understanding a lot more of it now. Yeah, so so what happened was uh, the day that I introduced Jaren to uh, my game, we were actually inside his jacuzzi, and we and we were just talking about all, all of these different things. Like, the, uh, I think there was an episode of South Park, maybe, and we, and we bond over South Park a lot. Um, where they where they discussed maybe D and D at at some point. I, I'm not sure if that was that actually that, that came after. no that came like a year or two later. Oh and yeah, that was in the most yeah. recent season. Okay, You're well, way ahead. Something <laughs> happened. I I remember that something happened to cause us to have that discussion. But um, I was very I was very uh into developing my game at that point. Um, and I I feel like at at that. At that point in time, I, I was just more, more. It was more of a hobby in my mind than like an actual business. Until until you decided, hey, I, I might, 
I, I might throw something your way to to help you lift this up off off the ground and it got me to start to really dive into it a bit more and then we got into play tests and you know a few roadblocks here and there but now I'm I'm going hard towards it started this podcast and oh, oh the rest is history exactly and I'm definitely looking forward to where the road's going to take us yes yeah um so to move on from that you have played my game um reborn in power for the past uh two two years now um you have played three different characters uh let's let's talk more about that uh the different iterations that have come come between all three characters i have i have been developing the game since you since you have started playing um at the start i believe i had like class systems inside my game so you were a kinetic, I think. Actually, no. I was a I was a militant um, Newgonian. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I and let's let's talk about uh, Nexon, right? Nexon. Nexon. Yeah. Yes. Nexon was his name for sure. So so what inspired you to create that character at that point? Well, by the look of what you were trying to go for for Nexon. I just saw like, oh, very smart and short person. I was like, oh, hey, that's me. So not to be too narcissistic. So, so a Newgonian. For those of you who don't who don't know, I I have created a few different races, and, and Newgonian is actually the typical like gr- gray uh, from like Roswell, New, ne- New Mexico, the like green alien heads that you see with bulbous eyes. Um, so Jaron played a Newgonian as his first character, um, and he was. Kind of a kind of narcissistic. <laughs> oh well, of course I enjoyed killing for the thrill. Yes, yes. He, uh, it, it was. You know how how your first character, you you start to try to get get outside of your comfort zone, and you and you start to do the things that you wouldn't normally do in real life, and that's kind of like the thing that you start out as if you're playing a tabletop role playing game. Yeah, like oh. just with my first experience with Dungeons and Dragons. You remember when I played with you? Yeah, let's not go oh, okay. into that. Okay. Oh, oh, come on, come on. Okay, we might hit on another point. We might just just yeah, explain what I did. It might it might come out. Though. Oh, it's gonna come out. It's gonna fucking come at, out at some point. Yeah. Um, but okay, fine, anyways, fine. okay. okay. <laughs> uh, your second character, your second character was actually a Beulah. Algarez, and you were a bit more heavily invested into that character. Oh yeah, that was the first character I actually really started to get some sort of connection with. And that was also the first time that I I, I took away uh, vocation, the vocations, the, the class system, and make and made it more customizable for characters to play. Um, and you really started to get get into it. Um, that that actually took place in the lore. It took place six thousand years before. Well, six thousand cycles before uh, the current timeline that is going to be happening once the chosen codex has been is released. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Algaris. Oof. Okay, so Algaris, I definitely love that character. Kinetics was definitely seemed to be a very powerful that was where class. I got the kinetics from. That yes, that's where <laughs> we got the kinetics from. Good effort. But so <laughs> when it come to when it came to Algaris, one of my issues initially before you even wrote the book was how when i first started with nexon the newgonian we couldn't i couldn't really picture a lot of the places initially because i had no framework to build it upon yes so it took me a, it took me a little bit of time when i first was playing nexon till like i get into it now of course i was getting better with the role playing working my way through but i never really had too much of an attach, attachment to nexon yeah initially but understandable it your first character always ends up being uh, kind of thrown away, thrown to the wayside. But then as soon as you start to make more characters, you get more enveloped into them. Exactly. And then you recognize the different places and then the lore of the places itself. And yes. then you can really picture the environment there. And yeah. then it really helps you get into the setting. And, you know, Algarez was that character that really allowed me to see the world that you were making. Yes. Entirely, like, you know, the different places you brought up, I was like, oh, I know what that world is. Oh, I know the different things that happen there. I know what the, the yes, population the, looks like. And all of that carries over to the, to the next to the next campaign, because it, it, it's almost like 
for for example, um, in Critical Role, the the main head podcast of like of D and D right now, um, they have they're on their second campaign, but in in their first campaign, they they went through for like I, I think it was like three years or or a two two year campaign um, that they played, and then the next campaign takes place, however however many like decades after or maybe centuries even, um, but they're still characters that that come back and they and they can remember certain aspects but even even though they they are uh it's centered around a different continent or like a a different region of the world uh for example if it like in the campaign that you were in um there was different aspects of of the world and it actually took place six thousand years later um than than what than what you remembered as through algorithms so let's talk about the last campaign that you had uh, with William Soar. Yes, the first fully completed campaign. Yes. Which lasted about over, like, 15 months, I believe? Yeah, 15 months. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a long campaign, and you started it all, started it all. Uh, you were, I, we started playing solo, solo, uh, sessions between, between just me and you, and you were an Archaean Prime, um, a mage, uh, and you had the the ion link basically but you didn't really get get to use it too much until the, until the very end um, oh, yeah. of the campaign but let's let's talk about that uh what, what did you think of it we, that was our playtest campaign and it, it actually set up the current lore for the current chosen codex as as we're going to get into it um of course yeah so william soar i definitely really enjoyed that character and my thing with William itself was that... Oh, I'm trying to find the right, right way to phrase it. But when it came to William, he was... So, I will admit, one of my issues that I had trouble with, and still somewhat do to an extent, only because I'm somewhat inexperienced, is separating my personality from the character. Yes. And, like, you still criticize me heavily for that. Yeah. Justifiably <laughs> so. But I don't meta. I do my best not to meta, yeah. and I don't. And you, 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 are, you are really good at that, and I, I think that uh, being able to separate yourself from the character is a, is a difficult thing because, you know, it it's just it's you and and it's a part of you um that every single character that i've made has some kind of different part of me but it's it's a it's the ability to try to escape from yourself and try to live inside another another person's shoes kind of thing yeah and you kind of forced me to do that when William Soar's character kind of split into two, diff- two different people. Yeah, so so we so, had yeah, William ahead, explain it. <laughs> and Will I Am became his the alter ego. Yes, and Will I Am was technically the he was what well, William was, was the, the clone or I, the I believe he was the original. Yeah, Will, Will I Am. So, so <laughs> what happened was uh, I I challenged Jaren here uh, to basically. To try to play two different mindsets, where one of his characters character ha- has a an emotional attachment to, um, well, a relationship in 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 the world that I've created, the the universe I've created, and then the other the other split one uh, no longer has that attachment and is free to basically live their life like they have, um, like with with just self interest all the way. Exactly. Um, so my so I had to learn to just be completely self interested on one end, and then also on the other character, the other me. I would have to you know still build and try to maintain my relationships, and then of course these characters would eventually clash. And then man, trying having that dialogue with myself, yes, was very. <laughs> it it was mainly trying trying to get like get him to to try to get to learn how to be. Um, to be able to commune with himself in case he ever did want to become a lore master himself, but you know that that's a difficult uh, feat to do. If, if though, for those of you who know how to GM, uh, DM, uh, any kind of like games like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, Starfinder, um, Call of Cthulhu, like all, all those all those kinds of games, there there are many many different variations. Um, but in Reborn in Power. It's it's a lot to take in because because it's a spacefaring game. You you get to travel through different realms and different dimensions, 
and see different civilizations and explore many worlds um, and that's all a part of, of the ever-expanding universe that I'm, that I'm creating um, but after that uh, let's talk about more of the differences in the system as it as they progress through each character um, what do you think of that how how the the system has progressed since since um, you first began playing so when I first began playing, I honestly wouldn't, I didn't understand much of the systems to begin with, just because I was a newer player to yeah. the entire thing. But once you were telling me the updates and certain changes you were making, such as stuff related to the armor class, and explaining like, oh, this takes away from the threshold and not the actual armor itself, or you know what certain roles do, or changing certain skills, feats, and abilities, I really was able to start building my character. Oh, and especially the addition of primaries. Yes. That was huge. Yeah. Because initially I was like, wait, I can't tell if this is going to expand to make things very good or is this going to restrict me? But the honest truth was it actually expanded it a lot more, but it made you have to think yes. about what you wanted to do Yeah. with your primaries. And I think that's a very good aspect to it's games like this. It's all about strategizing how you would uh, customize your character for specific moments in-game. Um, so in inside Reborn and Power, uh, to to explain, primaries are are the skills, feats, and abilities that you can use during combat and only during combat. Um, though, like there there are some ex exceptions to the rule, which I'm which I'm a adding in. Uh, but but you in order to it's almost like prepared spells from from D and D. Uh, you you need to be able to. Have it prepared before you before you enter into combat, or else it's or else it's just really hard to to do certain things. Um, and that's that's mainly not not to like not to limit people, but also to to help players who are so overwhelmed with the amount of things that they can do to make it so that they only have like a certain amount of things that they that they can do in, in combat because. As we all know, who have played these games during combat, each each round and each turn is it it takes a lot for a player to be like okay what am i going to do for my turn and uh, how do i want to do certain things um you want to have a very limited amount of of things to do because if you have too many you're gonna just be so overwhelmed that you don't know what what to do um but that was my way of try trying to slow down like like kind of kind of well, you really eased everyone into it. Like, you yeah. know, certain levels you could say, oh, you can have this many primaries total, and then you increase it to its maximum amount yeah. as you leveled up. Yeah, and so like, I think that, that was that's, a good way to ease it in. And that that's why I love the whole system between, like, with having 12 levels instead of the typical like 20 levels in D&D. Um, but actually, I wanted to talk to you about that. Uh, you, We have been playing D&D now for a few weeks now. Um, but you had played one session of D and D before we, you even began playing my game. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you the differences between um, the differences between the D and D system and the uh, Reborn and Power system. What what do you like about Reborn and Power uh, more than D and D, or and what do you think that D and D does better than Reborn and Power? Okay, well, I will admit, since I've played your game longer than i played D&D, &D, the bias is obviously in favor of you. Yeah. So i just like to get that out there. Yes, obviously. But I will admit that one thing I really enjoyed more about your game really was the customization and then the amount of stuff you really could do. I felt that D&D &D was a little too restrictive in some of these areas um, when it came to like upgrading... Um, ability when it came to upgrading abilities and things like that D&D &D didn't really allow me to do anything like that whatsoever and there's different kinds of like checks that you can do and then you had more options for those for when you when we rolled compared to what D&D &D offers yeah so there was a wider range of well we don't know what this specific situation is going to apply to what you would have to roll for that well in yours there were more options so there was less of a controversy of what you would have to roll to make it happen. Yes. And I felt like that was a lot better. And one thing I really liked is that since yours is a D12 system compared to the D20 system, the D12 system really made your ro rolls matter a lot more. 
but it also didn't really like screw you over too much unless you really rolled really low yeah like like thing... how what how we had yesterday in our game session oh don't uh, remind <laughs> me i swear i'm gonna get ptsd from in, that in D. yeah one of our characters almost died three yeah. You jumped in after her. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that was what my no, character would have done. Exactly. You played the character faithfully. Okay. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but don't undermine the ridiculousness of what happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think we should go into that. Oh no, we won't. We won't. Yeah. We won't. But I'm. Just, you just, you brought that up, and now I just can't get out of my head. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um, but. Let's let's move on. Let's move on for, away from uh, the Reborn in Power, and let's go on to more of the anthology itself, the the Arthadian anthologies, mm-hmm. and how how I'm I'm creating an expanding universe, um, something for every creator that that wants to join in to to come in and join in. And Reborn in Power is kind of like the catalyst to help that begin. It's be, begin. Um, because I've created, I've made it so customizable. I want, I want players of it who are like who have the mindset to create these things, um, to be able to create their own, their own uh, lore, their own, their own worlds, their own factions, um, races, and all that stuff, and and to publish with the company to be able to uh, make their own, make their own legacy basically, uh, and. What do you think of that of that journey? How how do you think how do you think that journey could could flourish in, into the future uh, with creators c- coming in and, and collaborating with one another? Well, I definitely like the business model of it all too. I mean, yeah, there will be some little semantics to work out when it comes to like contracts and things like that. Yes, but what you are allowing these people to do is actually be creative. You allow them to explore their passions and then collaborate with other people. And then there's still money to be made within it, and it's only and it expands just as when everyone else is expanding with it. Yes. And I think you know exponentially it will continue to grow, and you know we never really run out of ideas, even though not every idea is original. Yeah, well, I mean, and basically all all ideas aren't aren't original. Oh they, yeah. They're, they're just uh, remakes of of everything that has come before, but at least you have to put some kind of passion and and a bit of your soul into each idea exactly and which modern companies don't do nowadays because it's remake after remake there is our, our segue yes into the entertainment industry um the current in- entertainment industry now i i for one am i'm not as big of a kind of like I, I i don't criticize things as much as you would mm-hmm. um and i know that for oh, a yeah. fact uh <laughs> but i do I do find myself now not caring as much about the new like Marvel movies that are, that are being made today than I did uh, five years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, you're the biggest Marvel. I even have an Iron Man. Yeah, shirt I was just gonna say that it's like right you're wearing now. an Iron Man shirt right now, <laughs> and Reborn in Power is going to be the Iron Man of your universe. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of like. Right now, the everything is, is they they just want to make money. Um, so let, let's start. Let's just start talk, talking about about that stuff. When this when did all this start going wrong? And I know that you're you're a political science major, but you you have a an expertise in this culture war uh, nonsense that's that's going on today. Um, so let's let's discuss that. Yeah. So I'll do my best to be kind of brief with it, just because of how insane this really goes, and then it just becomes like a rabbit hole, and you know we don't want to go too deep into that. Yeah. So let's not go too deep. When it comes deep, to but... some of this stuff, I'm just gonna give like some of the major highlights. And one of the first bigger things that occurred was something known as GamerGate. Yes. Now there's many different interpretations of what GamerGate was, but to really boil it down, it was. Um, it was game developers that slept with gaming journalists. And what happened was those gaming journalists would criticize their own fan base that would rely on gaming reviews, etc. Because what happened was the people sleeping with these journalists just made terrible games in general. And instead of the instead and even though like other gamers would criticize the games just because they were bad for their own storytelling reasons, they would say, Oh, it's because I'm a woman, isn't it? And they try to make it about feminism. 
And yes. they try to make it about these other things. And that's not what it was. And the honest truth is, if you are going to claim that the only reason why something isn't working is because of, like, your race, gender, or whatever, that's just an insecurity issue. Yes. That isn't the truth, especially in today's world. I mean, I hate to use its current year, but this is really what it's coming down to. Everyone's supposedly against all of this crazy shit. But then you start to see people try to outdo each other in these variations of virtue signaling. And it's all, it's all like a form of self-hatred. They, they, and they can't even... They put the blame on other people. Yes, well, and this bleeds into the political arena into so many ways, but yes. it hurt the entertainment industry Yes, specifically. And the thing about Gamergate is the gaming industry was one of the first industries to try to resist what's happening in the political discourse of today. It tried to say, just let games be games. Let these properties be properties. I see a little bit of passion coming through coming through you right oh, now. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, oh, my, yeah. Now that you mention it. Yes. Um, actually, uh, for those of you who um, who know me on, like, Parlor, for for example, uh, Jaren is, is the one that has, has kind of, like, allowed me to open up about my, my own political views. I'm not going to discuss them on here, but he, he, has, help, he has helped me to try to find the truth where 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 it lies um well also i want you to be able to just express your opinion yes any any belief that relies on censorship to get you there is a terrible argument yes and that is the biggest issue with cancel culture in today's world yeah and and also it it it, i remember the the day that i started getting really into into this all this whole thing was when i found an article about how the, the publishing industry is is already getting getting like all muddied with cancel culture and how like how when people write they have to write specific things and if they if they don't write it how they want they can't get published and that was that was mind-boggling to me and then that's when you started to to kind of relate it to everything that is going on in in my passions and how and how the world um the world needs change the world needs to kind of shift their... It, we need to shift the culture away from this whole this whole non, identitarian nonsense. Well, and it, uh, that's what it all boils down to. See, everyone, especially in politics, tries to make things about left and right. But that's not what it really is anymore. It really is authoritarian versus libertarian. Yes. Yeah, and that's true. That, and the thing is... As libertarians, we want the freedom for you to express yourselves, but also the freedom to make your own mistakes. And authoritarianism doesn't allow that to happen. Authoritarianism in itself is a giant fucking mistake. Yes, that's, that is true. And, um, well, uh, let's let's try to move on from, from there mm-hmm. and, and let's go into, uh, well... Well, the... more modern examples of how the entertainment industry yes. went bad. yes. Yes, so one of the bigger things that I can relate this to would be what's happening with Star Wars. Yeah. Particularly. So, of course, you have the original trilogy, you got the prequel trilogy, and yes, I am more of a prequel baby myself. (laughs) Love the Clone Wars. (laughs) But then the sequel trilogy is where there's a lot more debate about it now, even though it used to be the prequel trilogy back in the day. And the thing is, the issues... So there's a couple of different points of view about what went wrong with the sequel trilogy. Or, like, what all that was about. And when it came to the sequel trilogy, we saw in Episode 7, they focused more on just the nostalgia. Yes. And all that stuff. You know, they had another Death Star already on top of the Death Star they already it, had. It was a literal, it like, lineup of, of, of A, New, a Hope. New Hope. It was literally a repeat of that. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't see that stuff okay. until until people started pointing it out to me and then I saw it I was like oh 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 I'm upset. Well, yeah, well, it's because <laughs> they didn't do anything new and they played it too safe to an extent. Yeah. But then and of course it's always about finding that middle ground and like it's okay that companies want to try to go above and beyond and like explore different ideas maybe get a little controversial but don't just make it about that one thing and then don't do it so blatantly it's just rehash shit like that's that's, that's what d and no no not d and d sorry um Ooh. but we can go into d and d later yeah and because you know how how that that whole thing is is an issue but but disney disney has just been doing rehash shit constantly 
Oh yeah, um, Lion with, King yeah, live, live action live remake, action which remakes. is like a frame by frame thing. And like, then it's I'm, most, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it in a way, but I am, I'm. It's just, it just feels like, like just watch the original. Just watch the original. Why do you have to do that? Well, exactly. Well, the thing is, then you have things where they really take it away. Like Mulan is the most recent example that everyone's talking about. Today. Yes, go. Let's For, go into that. Yes. Now, Mulan actually is the perfect example that really ties everything together, in my opinion. So, when in the case of Mulan, so the original movie everybody loved, pretty much. Like just just throwing that out there. Yes. But what happened was in the remake. It was very bland. Like, yes, it was visually stunning, but it's a Disney movie. And when you have that kind of budget that a Disney movie has, the least you can do is have it be visually stunning. Yeah. But they don't know how to tell a story anymore. And a lot of what you mentioned with, like, the publications of, like, that that one story you read is that they're all looking for quotas. They're trying to reach these arbitrary ideas that they everyone claims that they're against kind of thing but when you make these characters specifically about those arbitrary ideas like everyone wants to talk about representation of different races and stuff like that sure representation can be great in these areas but it's about telling the story whatever gets the story across yes and people started caring more about the quotas rather than the content and when it and one of these biggest examples of this also plays into the star wars movie john boyega who plays finn what happens is that he was marketed as being a very important character in The Force Awakens. You know, we got to see a former stormtrooper leave that, that order. And yeah, then... and that was probably one of my favorite parts of The Force Awakens. Well, and most people love that too. Yeah. And then we even got to see him use a lightsaber against Kylo Ren. Yeah. And then like, even though I was like, ooh, maybe you should make him that powerful against Kylo Ren. Like, that was still okay because yeah. at least they were trying something. And you really saw how they were doing it. But in the next move, the next movies, they only cared about oh, let's get this one, let's get Kelly Marie Tran as an Asian actress just for the sake of that diversity. Oh, John Boyega's black, let's have him for this. And then they continuously were writing him off little by little. And we can blame that on Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy, without a doubt, but that's because she bought into the identitarianism. Yes. And not just that, all of these companies are doing that now because of all these political movements. Yeah. They don't care about their stories. And with John Boyega, he really said it perfectly. John Boyega actually knows the lore of Star Wars. And he re you could tell he really cared about what he was trying to do. But even he came out a week ago calling Disney a bunch of racists. And the reason for this is because... Well, there's a few reasons. One of them had to do with the, um, the advertisement for The Force Awakens. So one thing is that Disney and many other companies love to bend the knee to China. Yes. And South Park specifically addresses this in its most recent season, that in was, episode two. That was the best part, and I'm excited for this. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, South I'm, Park I'm is going to have a field day with everything that's happening in 2020. I know. Yeah. I'm looking forward be... to it, but it's also going to be too real, and I don't know how I'm going to react to that. Yeah. <laughs> but in the case of John Boyega... So what happened with with happened to him in the advertisements is that in the American version of the posters, he was a bigger character that was shown in the spotlight. Yeah. But in the Chinese version, he's just this little dot in the poster. And it's because China actually has actual racist tendencies against black people to an extent. Like China itself does. But at the same time, Disney was marketing itself as a more woke company that was all about inclusion. You know, they had Daisley Ridley, you know, uh, Ray, as, you know, the main female character. Yes. And all that stuff. They cared so much about that that they didn't really focus on the story. And both of these actors came out against the Star Wars movies. Daisley Ridley, in her most recent interview, which actually happened, I think, two days before we even recording this, actually specifically stated about how they had no idea what they were doing with their character. I have not seen that. They, again, yeah, you were out of the loop for a little bit, but I don't blame you because you suffer from burnout. We all do. Yeah. To an extent, because it's just getting crazier out there. Not, not to like parody the Joker, but <laughs> it's just getting crazier out there, people. <laughs> and the thing when it came to Daisy Ridley is like she was saying how, oh, they suppose, like Kathleen Kennedy claimed they knew what they were doing with their character, what came to her heritage. And originally they said, oh, they were going to have her be related to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then they said, oh, no, we're going to make her nothing. Like, no related to no one. So, because, like, I guess they had novels, that, which I haven't read yet, that were leading into episode seven, that were actually hinting that she was related to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hmm. 
But then in the but then they didn't really do much without in the Force Awakens. But then when the eighth movie, The Last Jedi, came out, they're like, oh, her origins are nobody. It's like she's not important, and we we didn't really understand why that was. But I can totally see the aspect of saying, well, anyone can become important if you really work your way. But that's not what The Last Jedi was doing at all, because these characters were either overpowered as is. Or, you know, there was nothing really being done. And the only thing that Disney really did when it came to Dis- Daisley Ridley's character was they just wanted her to be a strong woman. But they totally l- forgot what makes these characters strong. You know, you have to have struggle to reach that point where you actually achieve something. Yeah. And they were really getting rid of that. And they had these characters just be naturally gifted. Or things like that. They they wanted they wanted the characters to be looked looked up to by like by children, um, and that's why th- that's their whole idea of, of casting certain like di- di- diversity that's hires. That's the diversity hires, the diversity yeah, quotas that, that everyone talks that, about. Now. That's their whole that's their whole premise. But the thing is, is that you need to have progression. You need to show that that characters will will suffer. Yes. They they like because we all suffer. Yes. And, and that is how life is. And if you don't make that actual story happen, then all we are going to see is, oh, it's a woman. Oh, it's this race. It's you know, it's this and that. that and, and that's not what it's about. And the fact that that's all anyone's going to see and that's what they wanted us to see shows how racist they actually are. You got a lot of passion there, boy. Oh, this is the, this is like the oh, I guess it, I don't want to use the theory, the hypothesis, but this is the conclusion of everything that's wrong with political discourse today. Yes. Yeah, and um that I mean that sums it up and that that's also why I I want to create what I'm creating. Um because all of this nonsense that's been going on going on, I I, I I feel like people just want it, want another escape. They want an escape. Well, and you give and them it's... that escape too. But thing is, these companies and like I just really want to highlight on just because like I know we briefly said little things, but I really want to like dive down into like a specific example before I really explain to why I invested in your company. Yes. So Mulan is the most recent and the best example for this. Yeah. So in the case of Mulan, what happened was a lot of people didn't really like the movie mostly because. It took away certain character developments. They excluded some other characters. They didn't even have like the musical stuff that they liked in the others. But what happened, and what really drove out this controversy, was that at the end credits of Mulan, Disney actually offers special thanks to eight government entities within Xinjiang, within China, including the Public Security Bureau um, in Tuscan. Sorry, Tuscan, I believe, is the name of that specific area. But um, it's in, it's located in eastern Xinjiang, where, you know, several re-education camps are located. And by re-education camps, we all know we actually mean concentration camps. Because yeah. within the past two months, and this has been documented for sure, is that, and I have seen the actual footage through the drones that caught this. So yeah. I actually saw this. Yeah, I, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And what we were seeing here is that you, we, we would have, um, and this was specifically happening, because it's a genocide that's occurring in China with, with uh, my, minority Muslim populations. And what we saw in, that, in, these, in this footage was we saw them all loaded up onto trains, shipped out, and they were like overly crowded. And then they would put them all in these lines and then they would shave their heads because they're trying to use that, their hair to sell for wigs as well but and that's what we saw in footage but there's been more research being done showing that now they're organ harvesting they're committing all these very inhumane and disgusting acts and yet disney had the audacity to thank this specific organization that's in charge of the camps not just the not just the chinese we're probably gonna get censored by china oh (laughs) everyone gets i don't care we don't give a yeah, I don't get censored by China, but that's exactly what they're doing. And then Disney was the one who claimed to be extremely woke and inclusive, and yet they're filming. They film Mulan next to the concentration camps. Yeah, no, that's that's it's disgusting. They don't practice what they preach in the slightest. And the thing is, not only are they contradicting themselves in these things and not practicing what they preach. 
But the thing is, their products now suck. I mean, it's all about money to them, and the and now. Well, not just that. A lot of them are starting to lose money. Yeah. I mean, Overall, because these organizations are becoming too political. This is why the NBA's ratings are dropping entirely. Yes. And you know, that's another entertainment industry that's suffering. Yeah. Through this, but I mean, the NBA had it coming. Overall, they really did. Yes, they but, did. Then you have, like, these other movies and stuff that suffer for it, too. The Ghostbusters remake, Ocean's 8, Star Wars sequel trilogy. All of these movies were focused so much on these diversity quotas that you took away the actual plot of what made these movies great. And then we can only see those arbitrary characteristics that we claimed we were trying to avoid. Yes. You know, that was the whole point, you know, being judged on the content of character. And even though these are, like, you know, you know movies and stuff, you can still have a good story being told within those. But they decided to take that away entirely. Yeah. And that's the thing. They made you necessary. They made you necessary, Matt. And that's the thing. Because Marvel has suffered through this now. DC is suffering through this. And, you know, you are standing up against that. And that's why I'm so passionate into, like, your games and investing. Because you want to tell a story. And it's not like you can't, you know, you can still address those topics to an extent, but it's not just about that. Like, your lore has some of the craziest stories in good ways, and some of the stuff that's truly disgusting, I think with the Yen race in particular, is one of my favorite disgusting stories of how it originates, but do you want to go more into that? Well, the Yen race, uh... Just go a little bit into it, kind of more of just the origin. Yeah, well, well, thank you for that, uh, that, that... That's Jaren. That's why I love Jaren because he he's very passionate about about these things that, that is going on right now, and um, it it just shows he he's very knowledgeable about what's been going on. He's been following this for like seven years. Se- seven years before any mainstream was picking this up. Yes, before. And and um and there's a lot of creators out there who who are uh, who who are like you know um, involved in in this whole culture war debate. Um, but Jaren has been has been quiet and and has kept kept off social media just so that he can he can finally come out once once all of this is uh, well has has arrived and it has arrived and um, yeah but that thank thank you Jaren for for let, letting it out. I'll, I'll, I'll let it out. I mean, I have to vent about this almost every other day yeah. with you, man, or like someone else in general. Well, it's because politics is everything now, man. Yes, it, it is everything, and, and, and that's why we had, had to discuss this. Well, as much as I love politics, I mean, there's some things it should just stay out of. Yes, like, and that, honestly, that's why we want an escape. Well, yes, and you offer that escape, but and you allow for some political stuff, because like world building involves some politics. Yeah. And, like, one of my favorite stuff, and, like, man, I knew we were going to talk about the Yen for a bit, but, like, I want to hit Venus. I want to hit Venus. I want to hit the nest. Venus and the nest? Okay, yeah, we can we can go into that. Yeah, um, let's do that first, and then I want to hit a little bit of the Yen. So we can, like, contrast, like, the good and the bad, but also, you know, how to properly incorporate political messaging within a medium. Yeah, um, so, uh, first thing, uh, let's... First, discuss what you know about the nest, and then and then I'll I'll discuss what the nest like what the nest yeah. is right now. Because remember, what I know is just based on the campaign stuff and a little bit of some of the lore I've read. So I can still get some of this wrong, and Matt will you know completely correct me on this. <laughs> so take what I say on this particular topic with a grain of salt. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Phoenix the nest. So the nest is pretty much um, like the capital pillar of um Phoenix itself and Phoenix is the planet it's, the area it's, it's the realm the realm there you go yeah thank so you so we, we, we already we already discussed Phoenix inside uh the entry uh four i believe in core realms so we like we discussed all that stuff yes and the thing with and the overall thing with Phoenix is that it is well Phoenix you know contains different you know avi- a- aviary a- yeah, creatures. Avian, avian yeah creatures avian creatures and exactly and th- that's where like dinosaurs are originally from technically oh of course yeah I mean the aerodactyls man yeah but like you know there's there's different <laughs> other birds you got the eagles you got the hawks you got your falcons you got your ravens and yeah. stuff like that too but, and there's a cantol yeah cantol cantol is the specific like is, you know is eagle the race the the yeah. The main species, the intelligent species, where, where, uh, like, you know, bird people are, are at. Basically, bird people. Exactly. But one thing that we associate with birds a lot of the time, 
besides, you know, flying itself, is freedom. Yes, freedom. And that is one of the biggest inspirations, if not the biggest inspiration, of Venus itself. Yes. Because, and the thing is, it Venus in itself, just to be blunt, is like a libertarian paradise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is probably why it's my favorite, personally. <laughs> but the thing is, it is a place where all groups can thrive to an extent. Like, and I remember, especially in the William Soar campaign, we actually did visit Phoenix on a couple of occasions, but we actually visited one of the religious institutions. Mm-hmm. And they talked a, a little bit about, like, rebirth, which is why the Phoenix yes. is, like, one of the gods yes, in it, those it, areas. Yes, it is technically... Uh, the Phoenix are kind of take the form of, like, the stars themselves. And, and stars, if you if you know anything about, about like like the the astrophysics behind behind stars they they like create nebulas which becomes a recycling chamber for more stars to be born and it's like it's like a it's basically a phoenix um so that's kind of like where the the whole mythos be- behind phoenixes come come from oh yeah and, and the inspiration's based off actual science because yes. you're a huge science guy yeah i'm a huge astronomy guy cosmology and like when we when we took our classes together in college college that's that's where we oh, kind of yeah. like I mean, honestly thrive. i took astronomy because i thought it was gonna be an easy class overall and in a way it kind of was even though we had the lab and the original lecture thing but i mean there was a couple tests where i felt a little bit iffy-ish on on a couple things but yeah. like hey the fact that we were able to like practice and train through that like you helped me definitely get through that yeah and, and you, how we and, both got A's. And so you I'm helped good. me with, through our political class, too. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was so. fun. That was fun, to an extent, yeah. You carried me through that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely did. No, but the thing is, if you were to take that class again... I probably would be way better You would be so much better. Not just that, you'd be able to get an A on your own without needing me. Yeah. Like, it, the thing is, and one of the things I really liked about, like, your evolution as a person is that you are able to really apply what is being taught and you know how to build things off your own on that. And then you even incorporate it in your lore, like we were just talking about. Yes, yeah. And like, so let's go, let's dive a little bit into, into the nest. Mm-hmm. Um, the nest right now has, uh, I believe, it has three different societies. Um, Natural Orden, Hunters Rising, and Frey Arrow. Um, so basically on the nest, you have, you're, you have this... Uh, Religious organization, um, like b- basically the largest relig- the r- religious group out of all of the pillars, because um, well, it, it's it's a religion that that promotes freedom above above all else. Um, it is called Frey Abzal, which translates to absolute freedom, um, and basically it it all all of it is is so that you 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 yourself have the freedom to do it to it to do whatever you wish to do provided that there's going to be consequences no matter no matter what you do uh and there's good consequences and bad consequences to, to every action that you that you take um but there's there's ideas and, and there's even there's even a cantol in the society that that take this this to heart but then they also have this idea that there if only Cantol can be can be truly free, and that other species and other races can't, and and they they even have the, like they have this weird authoritarian aspect to the to this whole freedom idea, mm-hmm. and it's like a different a, di- a different uh, premise that that I, that I kind of uh, shoot for. Well, and that's one of the potential conflicts you set up, and there's a lot of just in the ones we've already mentioned so far. Yes, you know. You authoritarianism while you're supposed to be a libertarian about yeah. freedom. You know, there's that contradiction, which is very similar to like the political discourse of today. Yes. It's that contradiction of wokeness. Yeah, exactly. To an extent that really works out. And this isn't meant to be like just related to the real world, but like it just coincidentally plays that way. Yeah. And then like, what about separation of church and state? How does that work in a libertarian, you know, world? Well, yeah, that, that, that's the thing is that technically the whole, the whole, it, it's it's kind of based off of this this idea that that you have the freedom to to do whatever you want, including uh, practice another religion separate from that and believe believe in, in other things. But but you have inherent freedom itself, and and you you are free to go go about about your day to do whatever you want. Yeah. Um. And that is just like a kind of a, a you know something that we that we we take for granted. We have we have taken our freedoms for for granted in in, in the world today, um, 
And that is something that I, I, I realize I, I took for granted until, until now and when, when our freedoms are being challenged. And, uh, and the Nets kind of, kind of poses this, this idea that like, there, there are people that, that will take free, freedom for granted. And I, I want players to be able to, to express, express themselves through, through this mindset and, and try, to, try to understand it from, a, from a, uh, a view where you are kind of like a, um, what's the word? There, there's a specific word. You're, 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 you're an ideologue, right? So your, your whole belief system is around the idea of freedom. And that's something that, I mean, I, 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 worshiping freedom is, is something that, that I don't I don't. It kind of sounds we, like a contradiction yeah, in it, itself in it, a way. It's a contradiction in itself, but that's like the whole, like, that's the whole premise behind it. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's about really making that balance between said contradictions. And then, like, and there's ways that these can actually blend perfectly well. Like... Even though, like, you know, we try to say we want a separation of church and state to an extent. Well, there's good times where religion has actually benefited society to an extent. Yeah. And, like, one of the better examples of this was actually was taught in one of, in one of my classes a couple years back. Was that uh, Martin Luther King Jr., in his letter to Birmingham jail, he used passages from the Bible to make the argument for equality. Yes. And, you know, that's a very good example. And that... That's why, like, God is in, like, our whole culture, too. Yeah. And, like, this whole idea of, of Christianity. It's like, and Christianity has thrived because it's not, like, a, a, a violent religion. It's... Well, it's, especially not really in today's world, to an extent. Well, I mean, what, yeah. it was back... Yeah, well, yes. And then <laughs> there's, like... And, of course, there's all the scandals with, like, the different institutions and stuff. But, like, every religion kind of has its issues. Yeah. But, like, same with the lack of belief, too. Yes. Like, they all do. It's really just finding ways that everyone has the right to believe in what they want, but how can, how can, what's the best way to coexist? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that, Once we acknowledge that we should be allowed to coexist. That, that's the challenge of society. Exactly. And I think, you know, Phoenix is a perfect testing ground for the theoretical pro- probability of, like, what's going to happen. Yes. To that extent. And then, you know, you, the listener, can, you know, make your own stories with that or play into it. And then, or make your own conflicts. Like, for example, a lot of these races, especially when um, I was playing as William Soar, they would self-segregate. Yes. To an extent, too. Like, the ravens would actually, and, like, crows would have, like, their own areas. A lot of the, and a good amount of them were, like, cultists, for an example. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff. And the thing is, like, there are bad societies within them, and some that are good. But, you know, freedom to choose is also, you know, the freedom to make your mistakes. Exactly. Exactly. And that that's... And that's well, that's idea. what Venus is mm-hmm. entirely. Because like, even though I say it's a libertarian paradise, well, yeah, the paradise of it is the ability to choose. It doesn't mean you always will choose wisely. <laughs> and, and that's that the beauty is true. of it. That's yeah. the beauty of it. Yes. Yes. So you want to go more into the yen? Okay. So yen. Um, yen are a very interesting race. Uh, they are basically this. Uh, they're a genetically modified prime, which a prime is is the the main evolution of of intelligent uh, species. They're they're basically humans in, in a sense, um, but they evolve on on different worlds like uh, uh, just automatically. There they, there's no there's no assistance from a higher being. Um, but a yen was a genetic is a genetically uh, modified prime in order to reproduce with with any kind of mammalian creature um so like like mammals for instance so so if 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 a yen and and a human were to mate um the the yen would have a child of like of a human exactly no matter regardless of what the race it mates with it will the race of that child well i should say the race but the species the species yeah, yeah sorry i don't just going to race, race, race. <laughs> race. It's all racist. <laughs> oh God, I destroyed my own argument. And there's D and D. There it is. Yeah, no, but um, oh yeah, that's why I'm saying race because of D and D. See, oh, well, well, yeah. D, well, D and D like goes goes into the idea that has has started diving into the idea that race, saying race, is racist itself. Well, yeah. Well, don't forget. Like, I remember reading something about like now orcs are racist and it shouldn't be yeah, in the game. Yeah, because or because people are, are are kind of equating orcs to black people when when really like that 
why? No, and the fact that he would make <laughs> that comparison shows you how messed up they are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're the racists. Well, for, exactly. For that. Well, yeah. And the thing is, you know, they're creating that vacuum where people are going to realize how stupid that is, and it's going to be your game. And it's also going to be my game now, too. To an extent, but... <laughs> but, yeah, um, the, the Yen, uh, they... They're basically able to re- reproduce with with most of all like mammalian creatures, uh, and the reason for this, the reason why they were genetically modified for this was was actually, it was they were supposed to be a a, te- a new technology for cloning um, inside a a very evil empire, very, like my my equivalent to the Galactic Empire from Star Wars. They're called the Sphore Infinite. And they they asked for this this person to make a to make a cloning device for them so that they can clone um, a bunch of people and and some issues happen. I'm going to be diving into that inside the actual Sport Infinite uh, Codex when when I when I create that DLC. Yes, it's going to be a DLC af- after the Chosen Codex is is out. Um, but the Sport Infinite Codex is going to go into the idea that the Yen were created. For the whole purpose to clone uh, Sphore Infinite soldiers, uh, and it it was this horrible elaborate plan by this this crazy maniac uh, named Carson, who who basically created the Yen. Um, I don't want to dive too much into it, but that's the whole premise beh- behind the Yen. And the Yen have been suffering ever since then. They have they have uh, been enslaved. Um, ridiculed just seen as sex objects and and not as like actual beings but but that that is their their whole story their whole their whole premise to try try to rise above that and even inside the current uh chosen codex there is a society where uh the yen have actually created their own society and they actually have matriarchal societies um their whole they 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 put uh, their females above above the males in, inside their societies because that, that's kind of where that that's where they began. They what? began with the first female Yen named Yen. Her name was actually Yen. Well, see, and that's the perfect way to integrate these ideas. And like for example, one of the things we were discussing when we talk about the Yen was how a lot of these Yen they either would give into the, like they would allow their looks to determine a lot of what they did. Like you know, some would go into sex work. Or they would, you know, do these other different um, things in general. But what really builds this overall thing is that... uh, I'm trying to find the best way to phrase it, but what really happens here is that the Yen, um, if they didn't go into those other works, a lot of them just wanted to be in their own Yen societies. And they started to resent the other races. Yes. And that's where where they became racist themselves. And then, but then they also did this for liberation of their own people. Yes. To an extent. So, like, there's good storytelling potential with that. Yeah. That's why why they're technically one of my favorite races that I've created. Oh, yeah. And and even though the creation of how they came to be is absolutely disgusting for what they had to go through as well, there's still very good storytelling potential for that. And that's how you incorporate it in. You don't just say, oh, let's talk about the Yen because the first Yen was a woman. Yeah. Like, that's stupid. No one cares. Literally, no one cares. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But. Yeah. And anyways, that that's kind of the whole the whole premise behind the yen. And uh, well, we're we're getting to the end of our our session here. Um, is there any 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 last uh, comments that you would like to make, Jared? Yes. So just to boil everything down to like really sum it all up, the entertainment industry has been suffering due to identitarianism that's been bleeding out into the politics of today. And since it's corrupted the entertainment industry, they have made Matt necessary. And because I see the passion in him, just like how I have a passion towards the field of politics, it's why I chose to invest in Matt. They made him necessary, and I'm looking forward to see how it all turns out. Thank you, Jaren. I thank you for listening to our conversation. It was an awesome time being able to sit down and chat with Jaren, granting us a glimpse of his own passion. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. 
I hope to get better as this podcast develops further and to eventually return to Jaren so we may, we may discuss the progress each of us will make. As for the podcast, next week I will be discussing with you one of my favorite topics, the energies of the core, or you can call it my magic system. Once again, if you'd like to support me, you can donate to my Subscribestar account, Reborn in Power, or check out my website at arthedianthologies.com. I will be posting this podcast up on Subscribestar and the website, so keep a watchful eye. Until then, be safe, stay safe, and if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power.